Welcome back to the East Career Cast, a series of audio interviews with leaders in the field of acute care surgery designed to provide you with practical information regarding career development, leadership, and career challenges. Today's guest is Dr. Martin Zielinski, the Chief of the Division of Trauma and Acute Care Surgery at the Baylor College of Medicine. He recently went through a significant career change, and he'll be talking about his process, his lessons learned, and his advice for folks who may be in a similar situation. My name is Stephanie Streit. I'm a trauma and acute care surgeon in the United States Air Force, and I'll be your host today. All right, Martin, thanks for being on the CareerCast. Yeah, I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. So today's episode is focused on, you know, when and how to, to make a career change. Um, and, you know, you've recently gone through a, a pretty big shift in your life. You know, you spent pretty much your whole life in Minnesota, eh? <laughs> Hey, yeah, uh, it's, uh, yeah, so I'm going to actually went from the Canadian border to the Mexican border, I suppose. Um, it's been a big change. There's a little bit of cultural change, obviously, um, you know, not being from Texas, a um, bit different from Minnesota, although it still feels like uh, a bit like home. Um, the weather is obviously dramatically different. We're getting used to the 110 degrees from yesterday, but all in all, um, we're, we're pretty happy to be here. That's great. So was there something that, was this something that you, you were feeling like you needed or wanted to make a change or was this just an opportunity that presented itself? I'd say both. Um, definitely felt like I needed a change. I've been looking for change to get them out of my, out of my old uh, position for a few years. Just didn't um, feel the direction that things were headed were, were quite in alignment with my career. Um, and so I've been looking and then this opportunity arose and, uh, you know, it was, it was exactly what I was looking for. But I imagine having been in, a, you know, the same place for a long time, you, it becomes a little bit of a double-edged sword to be very comfortable in a place that you are, but at the same time, you're very comfortable in a place that you are. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. So, you know, there's a bit of philosophy on uh, career change, of course, and to run towards things and not away from from other places. Um, but at the same time, you want to be able to, um, you know, make sure that the goals that you want for your career are going to be met at whatever location you're going to go to. Um, and so that was what I was really looking for. Um, I felt like I had outgrown kind of where I was and, and needed to, you know, make a pretty drastic change in order to, uh, what I felt was the next steps of, of where I wanted to be. So what were those things that you were looking for in your next move? So I wanted a more of a leadership position, um, definitely needed uh, uh, that. I wanted to be more in an urban uh, environment where there's, uh, you know, the trauma that uh, we didn't see back in Rochester, Minnesota, um, where, you know, we had a penetrating rate of five to 6%. Um, you know, ben Taub were up to 25% to 30% sometimes. So I wanted that more of the uh, urban urban trauma uh, feel. Um, I also wanted, um, you know, the more of an academic environment uh, that Baylor can provide. Um, you know, there was, um, I think, more of an opportunity to really mold a, a trauma and acute care surgery program um, into what I felt was the appropriate academic mold. Uh, and that really appealed to me. Do you, do you think that there was anything in particular that was holding you back from making the change, like, you know, ongoing projects or lab stuff? 
Uh, two things, uh, not ongoing projects or lab stuff, although that was, you know, in, in the equation, of course, but more, it was my family, um, in particular, my wife and her career. She's a transplant nephrologist with a very successful, uh, lab of her own and career trajectory back at, at Mayo Clinic, uh, that she was very satisfied and happy with. So that, that was a huge deal. And then of course, uh, being from Minnesota, my parents are still there. Her parents um, are still in Rochester. She was born and raised there. So that was um, probably the biggest part of all of this is, is family. Um, and, you know, it's it's a dramatic shift. Um, sure. I have three daughters of my own, and two of them are young enough that they were kind of excited or didn't care uh, about moving. Um, the oldest one, who's going to be a sophomore, that was a much bigger deal uh, and, and remains a bigger deal. So we had to factor in a lot of those things to try to get her into a position where she felt comfortable. Yeah, I can imagine. My husband is also a doctor and we are also preparing for a two position move. And I'm just grateful that we just have the two of us to consider and don't have the kids to factor in. Cause I can't imagine all the, the additional, you know, emotions and considerations that go into that. Yeah. It's profound and things that you don't expect and it's really something that's really challenging to plan for, especially when you're moving to a completely different environment where you don't mm-hmm. know the, you don't know the neighborhoods, you don't know, um, you know, friends and, and don't have uh, the family support there. So it's, it's a huge change emotionally, but then you have to add in the practical aspects of it where, you know, what school are you going to go to? Um, and I had three different schools we had to pick from or pick, you know, three different levels of school, elementary, junior high school and senior high school. So trying to pick a neighborhood based on that, it was darn near impossible. Um, so then you had to compromise on certain things. And, and boy, that gets emotional because even though it's a practical aspect of things, certain kids want certain things. And, you know, so it, it, it was challenging wading through that kind of an uh, environment. I bet. I bet. Um, did COVID impact the process for you in any way? No, actually it didn't. We had all been vaccinated. Well, okay. My four-year-old got vaccinated just a few weeks ago, but she had, uh, we had all basically been vaccinated except for her. So we were pretty comfortable flying and traveling. We had traveled for work and things, um, and personal stuff. So that didn't impact it too much. Yeah. I think the COVID part was, was a non-issue. Now, it was a delay in getting the position filled or, you know, advertised. So I didn't find out about it for a while because of COVID. But once we went through the process, it wasn't too big of a deal. Sure. Uh, what do you think about is different nowadays about the job search and job acquiring process than maybe is not what has been historically taught to us? Yeah. So COVID, I think, basically put a a hiring freeze or maybe not officially, but it slowed things down dramatically. Cause I was looking for, as I said, a few years and had, you know, was interviewing around a little bit. Um, didn't find quite what, you know, they were looking for. Or I was looking for to be honest. And then all of a sudden, you know, COVID hits and then nothing for a year and a half. And then all of a sudden within three weeks, I get, you know, job openings, uh, contacts for, for this job and, and two others two of the three of which I actually interviewed for. And so it, it, I think backed things up. And then when things were starting to slow down last, well, basically a year ago now where things were, we're kind of coming out of, of the pandemic or at least starting to come out, people saw the light at the end of the tunnel. I think that's when uh, people were starting to hire again. Sure. 
what about the like the actual interview process is that different now than than before definitely so the first interview actually the first two interviews were uh virtual um and and actually well i mean i had a telephone call i guess for the very first one which wasn't you know it was kind of an informational thing but yeah so spent two full days essentially of virtual zoom interviews which i thought was actually quite nice because it allowed you to get a feel for the place um and the people without you know uh, a big traveling um uh, responsibility so that that part was nice but then still a few more interviews in person yeah, I feel like we what has kind of been taught to me over the course of, you know, I'm still kind of in the late stages of the early career, and but I've been sort of taught the same refrain for the last 15 years of what to expect in terms of this is your time frame, and this is your first interview, and this is your second interview. And historically speaking, the, you know, the surgery job process has been pretty rote. Um, and it, it seems like maybe that's changed. And there's a, there's going to be a new a new cookie cutter. Yeah, I think that that's true. And and the other part of that is I think it's true for not only the interviewees but uh, the interviewers. So the 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 institutions they were going through a learning process. So one of the places I interviewed, oh, probably about two years ago now. Yeah, about two years ago, uh, I asked the question: How is COVID going to affect this interview process? And I didn't, it was a Zoom interview and I did not get a satisfactory answer. And I, I guarantee that as they went through that, I, I kind of backed out at that point. Um, I, I, I bet you they, they started thinking about it a lot more because, because it was not something they clearly had, had thought much about. I, I, I don't think there's really one aspect of life that's really the same as it used to be. Yeah. Um, so when it came time to figuring out, you know, this is, this is definitely what I want. This is you know, these are the challenges that I'm looking for. This is why I'm making the change. Like, how did you prioritize um, amongst your different opportunities? What was going to be the the most important thing for you? What was what you could live without? Uh, my wife's position. That was uh, the second. Well, for top priority after I figured out what I wanted. Um, so who could give her the infrastructure that she needed and not necessarily like from a, you know, a financial or best job, uh, um, best, you know, pay package kind of deal. Definitely not from that standpoint. She was much more interested in, um, who's doing the most transplants out of the sites I was going to. Um, because as I said, she's a transplant nephrologist and she has a K award and that directly impacts the people she can recruit. Um, obviously. So, um, we needed to find a place that had adequate patient volume, plus all the infrastructure that goes in with K awards, with statisticians and, and, um, research coordinators and all of that. So that was really high on the priority list. And then making sure, of course, that, that, you know, the the institution had a job now here in Houston, it's multiple institutions within a few square miles. Um, but we didn't really need to look outside because Baylor had a, uh, uh, open spot for her already. Um, in nephrology, they were looking there too. And for you personally, I mean, you, you mentioned you wanted to be in a leadership position. Did you kind of have it set that you wanted to be like, you wanted to be in the chief position? Was that like a chief or bust? That's an interesting question. I think I would have definitely been open to other types of leadership uh, positions, but in my mind, that was going to be a chief type of position. 
So maybe a little bit of mix, but I definitely would have listened to other potential opportunities, vice chair of research or something like that for sure. And was there something that you knew you didn't want? I did not want to be trauma medical director. <laughs> okay. Uh, that, Say more. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's, that's a challenging job. Well, they're all challenging jobs. That's, that's not really the reason. Uh, I think I wanted to be able to lead a true acute care surgery d- uh, division um, where we're focusing on more than just trauma. Um, so critical care and, and EGS aspect of things, because in my background, you know, the strongest part of, of what I've done, or at least the most experience I have is actually EGS. And uh, until the American College of Surgeons comes up with the equivalent of uh, EGS trauma or EGS uh, center, you know, that, that obviously that position doesn't really exist. I hear there's a pilot though. Yeah. I've, I've heard some rumors. I don't know direct uh, knowledge of any of, of some of going on, but I've talked to a few people that are involved. Right. Yeah. Um, what do you think has surprised you the most about the process? The, not the professional aspect that hasn't been as much surprise. I, I'll be, I mean, just very honest, you know, they, they were very straightforward up front with me. I knew exactly what to expect. I mean, clearly there have been surprises and things I didn't expect professionally um, within the job itself, but most of it is how challenging moving is, um, particularly the three kids and wife and the, the logistics of doing that is immense. Um, it, well, so you, you, you plan, you got to buy a house, right? But then you have to sell your house in order to buy a house, or you have to figure out another way of, of, of doing that, but that in and of itself is hard. And then of course we bought a house that was being remodeled Think you know, he told us it'd be 90 days and now we're four months into it and it's still not done. So we're in a rental right now. And then, you know, the logistics of moving. Well, so I moved in January of this year and my, my uh, kids and wife wanted to finish out the school year. So I was living in a apartment for five months, four to five months by myself, living what a bachelor life, which was, you know, distinctly unpleasant turns out. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and they're a thousand miles away. So, um, trying to figure out how to move them with me and into a new place where you're going to live and then, you know, get a rental and then the rental has cockroaches and then we move on to the next rental. And that's where it's, it's been a nightmare from that standpoint. Yeah. Not looking forward to it. Um, but we're, we're uh, moving into the next, our final home on Friday. It sounds like so. Oh, outstanding. Yeah. That's something to look forward to. Yep. And they've been with Uh, the been down here for about two and a half weeks so hasn't been the end of the world but but challenging just the same it's not as if the housing market is just a you know (laughs) walk in the park these days well and that's an extremely important point too where my wife's a thousand miles away can't just get on a plane to say oh let's go house shopping and find the one that we want or because i you know i had to go house shopping on her behalf and the minute that you find one that you want you have to put an offer in. It's not like she can, you know, get on a plane and just come and, and see it and you can wait three days or two weeks for the, for that matter. I mean, it's, that was really challenging too. Yeah. I bet. I bet. What advice do you have for somebody who's thinking one, you know, listen to this wondering, you know, maybe it is time for me to make a change. 
Yeah, I think the advice that I got is run towards something that you want rather than away from something that uh, just might not quite fit. I think that's an important thing. That, so I was looking and, and finally found something that, that was ideal for me. Um, don't burn any bridges. Um, I think that was also important to make sure that, uh, you know, you're, you're doing good by the, the people that you used to work with. Um, the other piece of advice I've gotten through East uh, leadership courses and things was always have a lawyer review your contract. And, and so I took that advice and I, I will say that that wasn't actually all that helpful for us. Um, whether that's just because of the Baylor contract structure or, or whatever, I don't know. The negotiation process was pretty easy. Um, and, and the lawyers, they were like, oh, you might want to ask about this one thing. And other than that, it was pretty minor. So that didn't help us as much. That's most of, I'm sure there's a lot of other things to think about too, but that's pretty yeah. good. Yeah, you talk about running towards something, but I think the the not running away from something is probably the even better piece of advice because there's no such thing as a perfect job, right? right? They're, they're just jobs and some of them are better than others, but they are just jobs and the job is never going to love you back. <laughs> that is wholeheartedly true. Yeah. And I'll, so go ahead. I love for 10 years, eight years. I was, I really enjoyed it. And then I just didn't agree with decisions that were being made. So. It was time to look. But there's all you're until you're the president of the United States, you are always going to have a boss yeah. of some kind. And there will always be decisions that you would make differently. Right. Absolutely. Um, it's just what what uh, decisions can you handle and, and which ones that are made? Can you do you think uh, would really bother you on a day to day basis? Exactly. But that's where you run towards something and not yep. away from the. Oh, you know, I, I would do, if I were in charge, I would do it this way. No, you don't. Cause you will always have a boss. There will always be parameters with when, within which you have to operate. So you run towards the thing that you really want. Yeah. That fits with what you think is, is the next best step or, or what maybe not even the next best step, but uh, something that uh, is just better for your lifestyle. Right. Right. Is there anything now that you're, you know, almost done with the whole process and almost into the house and all that? Is there anything that you would do differently if you did have to do it again? Uh, the one thing I keep thinking is I probably would have kept my family in Minnesota for a few extra weeks so they didn't have to move into rentals, um, no. headaches and things, because that's pretty stressful, um, as, as you might imagine. And there's not a, I guess, quote, home um, where, where you can, uh, know that you're going to be for the, well, if not the rest of your life for a long period of time. Um, so that, that, I think I would have kept them for a few extra weeks there so they can move right into a house. That's fair. Uh, you know, the, we say in the military, you know, wars are won and lost on logistics. Yeah. And there will always be, there will always be lessons learned on the logistics side of the house for sure. Yeah. I was so focused and my wife too, of getting us together, which is, you know, extremely important, uh, that that was our priority. Um, so they would, could, you know, get used to Houston and, and, you know, I wouldn't have to be apart from them and vice versa, but probably two more weeks wouldn't have been the end of the world. Yeah. What do you think you'll miss about Minnesota? The summers. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, summers in Minnesota are, are absolutely fantastic. It's the winters that stink. That would probably be the number one thing. And well, and, and of course, my family and, and my wife's family, that that would be the, the top two, of course. Yeah. What do you think you're going to love the most about Texas? Well, I really like my job. I think it's a great opportunity. I'm enjoying, you know, learning lessons already um, and, and starting to build some things uh, and hopefully being able to make a long lasting, um, you know, changes to the institution that, that help um, and, and make it better for, for the next generation. That's all. We're all hoping to leave something behind, right? Right, exactly. Do you think that what you were hoping to get is going to turn out to be what you, you get in the end? Yeah, I really do. Uh, you know, my boss is very supportive, um, surprisingly supportive, even not surprisingly. I mean, he wants what's best for, for acute care surgery as well. So that, that's been really great. Um, so I think, yeah, I think uh, in the long run, we'll get the things done that we want to get done and probably come up with new and better ideas uh, to make the institution even better um, that we haven't thought of right now. If somebody's listening to this and thinking like, man, that's really what I want but they're not ready to make the change yet. What do you think? Is there anything that, that folks can do where they're at? I think you, what I would suggest is really trying to define your career goals. And if it's a chief position or if it's be the next trauma medical director, or if it's, it's to be, you know, an outstanding surgeon, um, you know, whatever that is, maybe educator, um, you, you really always got to be working on the next thing for that. And, um, you know, to me, once you master something, you, you know, I always looked forward to mastering the next thing. Uh, and that's kind of what was happening to me. I didn't have a next thing that I was looking forward to being able to do. And so that's why I was looking for a different opportunity, but I still kept on doing the things that, that I, um, got me to where I was. And still kept on working hard while still looking for other opportunities within the institution and externally, of course, within East, um, for sure. Uh, so, so it was always still being active within East to, to um, provide, you know, hopefully some leadership and, and some uh, hard work for, for the organization. Yeah, that's great advice. I, you know, being in the military, I have sort of fixed in what my job has been. Um, and when I have, had points in time where I felt like I could, I could be more challenged. East is where I've turned to, to try to, you know, not only stay engaged with the profession, but to find new ways to, to contribute. Yeah. I mean, our, our peers have, a lot of them have been there, done that and, and to talk with them and figure out how they've done it. You know, what, whatever it is, you know, find that person or people that you perhaps want to emulate or, or think they've done some really cool things and, and want to know what they did or how they got there. Yeah. Reach out, figure that out. East is, it's remarkable in how it's, it's really quite a large organization that feels very small, feels like, you know, kind of like a extended family. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you've given me a lot to think about as I transition out of the military and trying to find the job that's, right for me. Uh, you know, I kind of, I feel like I have um, the memory of a goldfish sometimes in terms of what I really want and <laughs> what kind of job is going to be right for me. 
um, a different day of the week. I want a different thing. It feels like sometimes, um, but you've definitely given me a lot to think about. Now I just, um, you know, we're going to hang up and you're going to tell me what kind of job I should get. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I'll be happy to talk to you about it. And, and um, hopefully That's I can that East mentorship. <laughs> oh. Well, Martin Zielinski, Chief of Trauma and ACS at Baylor College of Medicine, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the CareerCast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I look forward to listening to this and uh, uh, seeing you in person. Very good. That's all for today's episode. The CareerCasts are brought to you by the Career Development Committee. If you have an idea for an episode, you can submit a proposal at east.org under the Education and Career Development section. You can also find us on Twitter at East underscore trauma, and I'm at SM Strite. That's S T R E I T. All right, until next time. Mm-hmm.